Great. So we've just done basically partly what we're, we're talking about. We've been handling the word of truth together. We've been teaching one another. We've been helping one another understand the word. And actually, a few brains, when you stick them together, actually come up with better stuff than you would do by yourself. So it's a brilliant way to, to learn from God's word, to just get a passage open, ask a few questions, look at it together. So he's saying, this is what you are to do. And there's wonderful encouragements there to keep uh, doing it and keep uh, going. The last point is um, about being an honourable vessel and running after righteousness. Have a look at verses 20 to 26. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honourable use, some for dishonourable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonourable, he will be a vessel for honourable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Paul finishes the the section with two challenges. The first is to be an honourable vessel. And he uses the illustration with crockery. He's saying, in a, it's a bit weird, isn't it? In a big house, there are lots of cups. So uh, I've got some uh, with me from my cupboards. These are genuinely from my cupboards. My there we go. Got my uh, sister swimming with dolphins uh, there, even though I wasn't there at the time. Uh, this is one of my non-Christian friends bought me this. Jesus, he's my number one with a really cheesy picture uh, of Jesus. These are from my books. Those are my um, mugs of dishonourable use, if you like. They sit at the back of my cupboards, and if you've ever been to our house, you'll never see them, because they're basically like, but it's only if we ran out of cups that you would ever see them. And I know that all of us have got that sort of stuff, you know, bits that have got chips in or whatever, it sits somewhere in the back of our cupboards. And then there are those that actually we get out for posh occasions, aren't we? Uh, you know, the, the nice crockery, uh, the ones for honourable use. So we, 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 we're used to this idea that in a house there are generally two sorts of crockery, aren't there? The posh stuff and the stuff that's so stained that you use them as pen holders. I know you all do it, I do. Um, but Paul is saying, be an honourable vessel. Keep yourself clean. Make yourself useful. And the focus here is on what we do with ourselves. He doesn't tell Timothy, go and clean the house. He says, Timothy, cleanse yourself. Only that way will you be useful to the master. Only that way will you be prepared for every good work. So what does being an honourable vessel look like? Well, he tells us in 22 to the end. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, for you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Timothy here is told to flee from something and pursue something else. He's told to run away from youthful passions and run after something else. Now, when I say youthful passions, I'm going to do some mind reading here. Not really, don't worry. Um, when you read that, I reckon 80% of you, when it says youthful passions, will be thinking sex. Now, it could be, but it's not mentioned in the rest of the letter. It's not mentioned at all to Timothy. But as we said yesterday, Timothy seems to be a bit of a hothead, not timid Timothy. 
repeatedly he's told not to quarrel. And here again he's reminded not to quarrel. It could be that when Timothy is involved in dialogue about the gospel, his passions tend to run high. He gets a bit overexcited, if you like. Uh, I know a guy who uh, was having a conversation with someone in a coffee shop. And uh, it was actually a non-Christian they were talking the gospel to. But they got so into this debate, and they were actually shouting at the other person. And everybody in the coffee shop was sort of looking back. I wonder whether Timothy was a bit like that. He got a bit hot-headed. But he's not to do that. He's to flee that. He's to efface his opponent, opponents there with gentleness, we're told, as fitting with the gospel of kindness. The people who are opposing him, he reminds them, are under the spell of the devil. They are not the enemy. The devil is. So Timothy's goal must be their restoration, not their destruction. His tone should match what he's saying, his message. So cults and other groups are not our enemies. There are precious people in there. And we need to be firm with our teaching, but gentle with our manner. He and we are to flee hot-headed, youthful passions. And he's told instead to run after righteousness. Righteousness, faith, love and peace. He's told, if you like, to keep his eyes on these things as he's running. Why? Well, because these are the values of the kingdom, aren't they? If we lose sight of these, then we've lost the plot, haven't we? We can be as busy as we like in ministry, doing all sorts of things. But if we're not pursuing these things, then something in our lives has gone seriously wrong. It matters what you chase after in this life. So make these your goal. But importantly, you see as well with this, that he's not to run alone. Do you notice that? So he's to do this, to to flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. From context, again, the only group really that we have here is that band of brothers. What he's telling Timothy here is find those men and run together. Find those people and get them alongside you in your race. It's a lot easier, isn't it, when you're not running alone. I know some people pair up when they're doing jogging, don't they? To sort of encourage one another to keep going. So are you in a running group? If you're not an actual running group. But are you in a group that's running together? Have you got people alongside you? If you're not in that sort of relationship with people, could you start one? Even if you're not the person who's leading the the, the, the setting the pace or anything, could you get one going? Could you ask somebody to start one? Are you in one of those pyramid relationships, if you like, there, somewhere in the middle, either teaching or being taught, or both? Or in old-fashioned language, we call it discipling and being discipled. If we run together, we can help each other run. We can chase down these things together. As the slipstream of the world tries to pull us one way, we can create our own slipstream heading towards God's way. We can guard the gospel together. Perhaps if I'd been left, uh, not been left alone with those cats, if I'd had someone watching me and helping me, uh, I'd still, they'd still be here and I'd still have spotless fingers. But we aren't alone, are we? We can help one another in our mission. So let's make sure that we're in a band of brothers or a set of sisters or a sisterhood of sisters. Let's be those who rightly handle the word of truth. And let's be those who run together for righteousness, being honourable vessels, useful to our master. 
We're going to close by singing Salvation Belongs to Our God. And then I think we're just going to have 15 minutes for coffee. Um, So we've got time for our prayer and praise.